You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. My name's Sean Kelly. I'll be with you for the next two hours with the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. Frank is the talent. Jerry's the button pusher. (laughs) I keep telling you that, mate. Um, And you may have noticed in the early presses I had Pete's um, suffered an injury. He's he's, um, pulled out at the last minute. So I've had to go to the Pine. And when you go to the Pine, there's only one thing. Get the best you can. And I got the Hugh best. Yeah, unfortunately they weren't available. That's why I had to step up. That's always good to have you on the show. Hugh, are you? Thanks for having me, Shawnee. No worries. Um, On the show today, we've got uh, Ben Smith, who is a football-playing journalist. We'll talk to him about him and um, journalism in general. Uh, Just a slight introduction to the show. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow that up with Alex Epicus, who is the Glory W League coach. A few things going on there we'd like to talk to him about. Mark Twamley, the president of Forestfield, who um, will... Depart from there shortly. His work takes him to um, the outer reaches of the state. So yeah, yeah, you, go on. It's, it's, a, it's, a, big, it's a big commute. <laughs> yes. um, but Mark's done a lot of forest. We'll talk to him about his time at Forestfield and also his time on the State League Standing Committee because I think they've been a quite stabilising influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we missed from that board of people as well. And then we'll follow up with Mark Anthony, who is the coach of Gosnells, who... Yeah. Uh, probably didn't have the sort of start they had with the, the side they've got, but the last couple of weeks they've been smashing goals in for fun. Yep. And uh, they're now running second in the league, and I think Mark will be keen to take them yeah, no, up. He's, he's got some uh, history behind him, ex-Celtic. Uh, he is a, a player at Celtic at, mm-hmm. what, 19? Um, yeah, a glory ex-glory, player. Ex-glory, um, yep. You know, so well-credentialed footballer. But, Golden uh, boot winner? 
Yeah, and a hell of a guy as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all-round good guy, but it'd be good to catch up with Mark as well. In the news, obviously the big news around is Ronaldo is not uh, going to be coming to Perth. Uh, yeah. um, I was that surprised that, you know, I, last time I was that surprised when I found out the Pope said bedtime prayers, but... Um, <laughs> good work. No, so it does settle the argument for me, though, Hugh. <laughs> who, who is the best footballer, Messi or Ronaldo? Yep. Messi has never let me down. Yeah, that's right, and... <laughs> Listeners would know my uh, my thought on that one. You know, I'd much rather have somebody who uh, who doesn't hassle a referee every time that uh, somebody puts a hand on him. Oh, give it a rest, mate. Come, oh, come on. on, yeah. Well, you know, come on, ref. Come on, ref. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I agree with you. He's, he's been one of those people that's that's done that a lot. But yep. having said that, Superstar. tremendous tremendous footballer yep. and a loss to the state that we're not going to see him here. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just to put it into context, there's a lot of rubbish been going around about personal reasons. Yeah, oh, what's he yeah. got personal reasons for? He and his wife did lose a child this year. That's true. And yeah. I think that would put a stress and strain on anybody. Yeah. So, like, give give the guy a break. Yeah, yes, like, we, like we, we always say, you know, you, you can look at their public persona and go, it, yeah, the guy's a superstar, he's a media person. Well, not media person, but he's in the media all the time. He earns bucket loads of money. Yeah, that's all fine. That's what we see. But yeah. what is happening in his private life as it should be, remains yeah. private, and little bits come out, and, yeah, he's had some, some personal... Tragedy. And it's no secret, he's unhappy at Manchester United. They yeah. didn't reach what the yeah. goals they wanted. Wow. He wants to play Champions League. He's yeah. getting to a point where he's not going to be playing too many more. How many, how many more do you need to win to, yeah, to, I know, to prove but, your legacy? But you, when you've, you're up there, you know, him and Messi are in this eternal competition. Um, <sighs> you know, well, no, it's the way he sees himself, you know. He is a high achiever. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Now, United are, are, are in a rebuild phase. They've got the new manager coming on. You've, they're hassling to get... Uh, um, yeah, but I think Ten Hag is also someone who's the, the kind of guy that goes, you don't want to be here? Bye. Yeah, but Van der Beek's coming from Barcelona. So yeah. they're building the midfield that will feed anyone who wants to play in the number nine role, yeah. which yeah, we know CR7 is his brand, brand name, but mm. he's playing centre-forward. They're sorting out the back. They're sorting out the midfield. You've got... Quality strikers up front, he, yeah. him being one of them, and you go, oh, I've had enough of this, I want to win stuff. Well, why'd you go to Man United in the first place? And, yeah, exactly. And, and to use the, oh, well, Sir Alex, my, you know, my mentor Sir Alex said, please don't play for any other club. Well, okay, if you don't want to play for any other club in the Premier League, don't play for any other club in the Premier League. There's plenty of other places he could go. Of course. Gareth Bale leaves Real Madrid, goes to the MLS. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to be <clears throat> the big fish... And, and the MLS are in the Champions League in... What hey, no. Guess what? Guess what? LA Galaxy win I almost know. everything. So yeah. if you you want to go, I want to win stuff at at a, at, at a club. You can go anywhere. Anyway, enough about anyway, that. Anyway, you can <laughs> um, go to Bayern Munich. They win stuff. <laughs> funny thing of the week. I don't know if you've seen it, but in the European Premier, uh, sorry, the Ethiopian Premier League. No, I didn't go. Uh, a goalkeeper came out to the ball as he scooped the ball up. He's done a little somersault, yeah. studied the forward in the chest. Oh no! Oh, penalty. No red card. Um, okay, no, yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. Yeah, no, well, I, you know, I, I can, a lot of people can't, but, yeah. you know, it's just funny to see this goalkeeper doing a somersault. And then the funniest thing of all is physios run out and he starts doing chest compressions. I'm thinking, what the hell? We, why? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't even check him for life signs. He was just very gently pushing his chest. I think it was just maybe oh, to, okay. to milk a red card. I'm going to have to check that one out, mate. I've oh, not seen hilarious. that one. It's hilarious. It's on it, the yeah. YouTubes? Or, it's on the YouTubes, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I'm, th- there's homework for me. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after that break with Ben Smith. He's working on a very tight deadline, so we'll um, get to him very quickly. Good so one. back after these. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. 
Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoe, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly, and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10 a.m. to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. One oh seven point nine FM, your local station. And we're back in the room here. You can get off YouTube now. Yeah, mate. No, I'm just watching. I don't see the uh, the compressions there, but that. Oh no, it's Ooh. hilarious. When you see them, you're, you're laughing. As you heard, it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joining us on the line now is our first guest, Ben Smith. Ben, good morning. How are you? Hi, Sean. Hi, Hugh. How are you doing? Very Great. Yeah. Um, so, is your middle name Robert? I'll turn it up. It is not, no. It's not, and you don't have a VC? Uh, no, absolutely Damn, not. there goes two hours of research. <laughs> <laughs> that's me crossing that that's out. Me, that's me done. Thanks, thanks for being on. Um, now, um, Penny tells me that you're, you're a, a, a local footballer. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very correct. In so fact, you... I'm uh, heading up to uh, play, uh, or heading off to play in about uh, 15, 20 minutes. And you play for... I play for Curtin University in the uh, State League Division Two reserves team. Excellent! No, it's good. Well credentialed. They're a good footballer. Um, at Curtin are a good club, and uh, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people over there at Curtin. So yeah, be be excellent. I'll probably see you when we we play you. Um, so you've been a, a football player all your life. So you, your your history is what? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been playing since I was uh, uh, probably yeah, it would have been. Five years old back in uh, 2000, yeah, and I played a lot of uh, South River clubs. I uh, played at Canning City, Gosnells and Juniors, Melville City and Juniors, uh, Forestfield, Murdoch University, Melville, uh, and yeah, now I'm at Curtin, so I've kind of been around a fair few of the uh, the South of the River clubs. Um, yeah, so I'm quite quite well versed in that kind of field. And and you follow the the national leagues, the the obviously the the A League and the. Um the EPL, or you're more into the Euro football? Uh, no, I do. I definitely. I watch a lot of. Uh, I watch a lot of Perth Glory and Perth Glory Women's. Um, 
Unfortunately, uh, I'm when it comes to English football, I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan, so uh, not too much uh, joy for me, unfortunately, in recent years. Yeah, welcome to my world. I'm a West Bromwich Albion fan, uh, and I'm a West Ham uh, fan, so I feel your pain. Yeah. You know, we've all no, been there. We, listen to this. Oh, we're, no, we're good now, but I, I, no matter how good we are now, I know the bad days will return. Yeah, you know, good now. When, when did that happen? Yeah, 1966, <laughs> mate, when we won the World Cup. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, look, it, it's good. I mean, we have to pick a club, and it's, you know, I, I say to people, you can change your job, you can change your wife, you can change your house, but you can't change yeah. your football club. Yeah, and as an Albion <laughs> fan, can we have Mowbray back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he's a, he's on the uh, he's a free agent now. Uh, he's on the market. Uh, I was really impressed with the yeah, job so what... Tony Mowbray did. I think he kind of reached his peak with Blackburn. I don't think we were getting... He was going to improve us anymore, but you know, I think he did an incredible job. Of uh, he came into a very difficult situation when he first arrived at Blackburn. Um, you know, we he was at the club towards the uh, tail end of a season where we got relegated to League One, and he, you know, he stayed on and got us promoted back up first first season. But also did a very good job of reconnecting the the players and the fans. And I think because I think there was a lot of uh, the, that kind of relationship had soured a bit over the years, and uh, he did a very good job of uh, reconnecting those two important pillars and uh, yeah I've got a lot of respect for Tony Murray. It was you know even though I do did kind of think that it was probably time for a coaching change I thought the manner in which the club went about it was maybe left a lot to be desired and uh, yeah no, I wish him all the best he's a very good man yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's basically the same sort of uh, thought process that we at the Albion have of him as well right up until the point where he uh, showed a little bit of the mercenary streak and went to, to Celtic. We, we were in the process of building, you know, a, a, something pretty good, and then Celtic went, come back to us, and he went, see ya, bye. It's like, what, hey, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, for, Hugh and I were having a discussion yep. before the, the show started. Maybe you can give your opinion on it. Jack Wiltshire has announced his retirement. Yep. He's only 30, um, yep. a quality footballer. Do you think he could do a job in the A-League? I mean, I reckon he probably could, but he obviously feels his body won't let him. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it's just really sad. You know, I remember him watching him when he first broke out. Uh, you know, he was obviously, you know, the one of the, you know, the leaders of that kind of next generation of England mm. stars that kind of never quite uh, turned into a, a, you know, turned into anything substantial. But I mean, he had a hell of a career. Um, when he was on the field, it was just a shame that, uh, you know, his body let him down. And I think there's a lot to be said. So, you know, he was, he played a lot of football very young. Uh, and it wore, I think it wore down his body uh, very quickly. I think it's a very cautionary tale for one of Jack Wilshere because, you know, he was, when he was fit, he was fantastic. But he played so many games so early. And, you know, even, you know, even as a kid, you know, he, his body was able to take it, but it just took such a toll on it in the long term that he was unable to, you know, once he hit around 25, it really just all fell apart for him. And yeah, really it, look, sad, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't do the same to everybody. You were just talking about Joe yeah, Cole, who yeah, you know, played right. first team at 15. So yeah. and, some, and Pele, who yeah. wins the World Cup at 17. So yeah. you, with your um, junior football development, do you think that um, there is something amiss in junior development uh, of players, um, you know, being put under... Uh, undue pressure too early uh, throughout the whole league. So obviously we can't talk about Wiltshire t- to any great extent because we don't know that sort of process. But your junior development at, at a number of different clubs, do you want to uh, expand on how that sort of um, development is is positive? 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's different. I think, you know, at a grassroots level, mm-hmm. you want to be getting as many games into players, you know, as young players as possible so they have time to develop, you know, they have more opportunities to grow and develop and kind of understand the game and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, you know, you want to give them, you know, ample opportunity to explore, mm-hmm. you know, their potential. I think it does change at a professional level, though, where there's, you know, increasing strains. Obviously, the physicality, the athleticism is a lot higher. The demands on the players are a lot higher. Um, this is where, you know, modern sports science, I think, is really important in understanding, you know, you know, volume and player loads. Like, um, obviously, you know, straying away from a question a bit, but you look at Pedri at Barcelona. I mean, I think he's 19, and I think yep. he just played 50 yeah. games in oh, a season. Yeah. Yeah, and but he's a, he's a player I'm a bit worried about because I, you know, he's a phenomenal player. I loved watching him at the Euros last year for Spain. I thought he was excellent. Uh, you know, he's, he obviously went to the Olympics after after did, the Euros yeah. as well, and then went to Barcelona, you know, then had a full season for Barcelona. I'm I'm worried that given you know Barcelona's you know current status where they they are, you know, it feels like they're a bit of a team in flux or a rebuilding team as much as a team like Barcelona can ever really rebuild. There's going to be added uh, impetus for someone like Pedri to, you know, to carry that load. And yeah. I'm just worried that he's going to end up, like you say, like a Joe Cole, like uh, like Wilshire, even Wayne Rooney, you know, he moved, right. like I re- read something yesterday which pointed out, you know, even though Rooney had a you know, good career you know, and was able to play into his mid-30s, he didn't move the same uh, when he was in his mid-20s to the way, you know, he's like a whirlwind yeah. when he broke onto the That's scene right. as a teenager and even, you know, by the time he hit 26, 27, he was, you know, he looked, he played like a bit of an older man. Obviously, he's <laughs> very talented at that point. But you could see the, you know, the kilometres on the dial had really worn him down. And, you know, I think going back to the question, I think, like I said, it's really important to to get that, uh, you know, it's really important for kids, young kids playing at grassroots level to be, be exposed to as many games as possible. But there also has to be an understanding that once, it changes from grassroots to something a bit more, a bit more serious. That you know, there's going to be higher demands, higher stress, both physical and mental, on the players, and there needs to be. There's got to be some sort of tipping point where you know, it gets, it gets too too much for the players. Yeah. And I suppose then there's pressure to play injured. You know, you, oh, to yeah. give there's there's people you know scouts watching or something. You you play injured. Um, yeah, exactly. you don't you don't yeah. have the proper rest times, what have you. And then there's all the other things that you can do as as a young person growing up. You know, skateboarding and <laughs> just 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 generally being a young male. You know, it's a very risky occupation. Um, so yeah, yeah there's yeah. all sorts of things that can happen to you. Um, now getting back to yourself, um, you. You're employed as a journalist, yeah. um, so that's a, an interesting career choice. Um, how are you finding that, and do you do you want to specialise in sports journalism or politics or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm working as a uh, as a sports journalist for Seven West Media at the moment. Yeah. Um, I was I was pretty pretty lucky. I think a lot of uh, my classmates in high school were kind of unsure, as a lot of kids are. You know what they were exactly sure what they wanted to do towards the latter stages of their education. I was very blessed in that I kind of always knew I wanted to go into sports journalism and, you know, so went to, uh, you know, went to Curtin University, did uh, journalism for three years and um, took me a while to get a job in journalism. But, yeah, I ended up with Community News and was there for, uh, you know, three and a half, maybe four, uh, hang on, yeah, four and a half years. 
uh, I think. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty wild ride. I've uh, kind of been shifted sideways into uh, sports journalism, I guess. But it was always that was always a path I've wanted to pursue. You know, I remember you know being a, being a kid, I'd read I'd always read the sports section of the newspaper first. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember my parents always used to get the uh, the Weekly Telegraph over from. England and otherwise just read the you know the football match reports uh, from that and the rugby match reports. So yeah, it's been something I've wanted to do, known I've wanted to do for a long time, and I just feel very grateful that I actually am able to do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on on the you know how football is portrayed within the media and the amount of reporting we get. You know, I yeah. joked uh, with someone the other day that Ronaldo could sign for the glory. And yeah, Nick, Nick Nat buys a kitten would be on the <laughs> on the back page of the newspaper, you know. Um, we we don't seem to get the yeah. the amount of um, quality. space or, or quality in the mm. paper. There's um, there's a bit in today's paper, but not a lot, um, you know. And Sam Kerr, who's who's probably yeah. the the best footballer this country has ever produced. Keys to the city. Keys to the city yesterday, mm. and there's you know literally nothing. Front page so, news should be front page news. Your, your thoughts, Ben? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm actually. Uh, uh, I know we actually reported on the Sam Kerr stuff yeah. uh, yesterday online. I don't know. I actually I'm online, yeah. In the paper now. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. That is, uh, you know, we we sent a photographer out there, yep. and uh, uh, I know that changed up. Yeah, I thought she would have figured in the paper. I haven't actually having a quick flick through it now. I can't actually find a bit. Yeah, I I guess that it's a bit of a you know you need from a local perspective you need some sort of, uh, I guess, you need good stories first and foremost. And I think one of the issues has been for the last 15 years, Perth Glory, the local team have not been the force that they were in the NSL. There hasn't no. been much to crow about, even when there has been good stories like, I guess, Lee, big signings like Daniel Sturridge, William Gallas. Mm. They haven't turned out well. No, that's and, right. You know, they haven't really done much off the field. Yep. and Yeah, it's been, you know... Perth, like I always say, like around around A League, Perth Glory are known for being, you know, a bit of a basket case. Other fans look at Glory fans with a sense of pity. That's just, you know, I'm sure Tony Sage would debate that. But yeah, I would. At the end of the day, like I, I speak to a lot of, you know, to a lot of uh, fans of other A League clubs on, you know, on social media, and they they view Glory very differently to, uh, you know, to a lot of Glory fans. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there's a healthy, uh, you know selection of Glory fans are also a kind of sick of Glory being in the news for the wrong reasons. You know, they yeah. want they want the club to be like they were in that one yeah. season under Tony Poffer. But, but, you know, but if you listen to the conspiracy theorists, you go back to the NSL days yeah, yeah. where we were great. They, they wound up the NSL because we were smashing that's right. it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Check the facts. That's what's happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, yes, everyone would like to see a competitive Perth. I don't think that the Eastern States would be too happy with a, with a dominant glory um, doing what they were doing back in back in the day in the NSL. But um, Do you uh, think the new uh, uh, ownership model of the A-League will help or hinder the glory to become that uh, that dominant force that we once were? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question, to Thanks, be honest. Mate. I um, thought it might have been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm not... I'm not actually sure. I think it, I, you know, I, I, with that new version model, it's, for me, it's a very wait-and-see yeah. type of view. Mm. I want to see, you know, how it pans out. You know, in theory, it's quite good, but we've had a lot of things which in the, in Australian football which are you know, good in theory and then turn out to be car crashes. <laughs> or uh, Yeah, it's, 
it's going to be interesting. I do think that, you know, I, you know, having been on, you know, spoken to other Glory fans, you know, I've, you know, taken a lot of Australian football media. There is kind of a prevailing belief that, you know, when the smaller clubs in the A-League and, I, you know, the, the clubs who aren't, I guess, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, Sydney FC, mm-hmm. Western Sydney Wanderers, yep. when most clubs are strongest, that, you know, when most clubs are strong, it makes for a stronger A-League overall. Um, which I, I tend yeah. to agree with. I think you know, but, but the big clubs are going to, to an extent, you know, Melbourne City maybe don't have the fan base that Melbourne Victory or Sydney FC or even Western Sydney Wanderers have, uh, you know, organically. Uh, but I think those if both clubs will be able to survive, I think what you want is the smaller clubs, and I guess Glory are a bit of a smaller club in this sense. You know, you want the, you know, if those, that club can be, if the Glory can be sustainable, if like a Brisbane Roar can be sustainable, and Adelaide will much always sustainable. Mm. Uh, Central Coast, Newcastle, Wellington, if those clubs are all going really well, I think that it actually raises the, the A-League um, as a whole. I know you know the big wigs will probably want the bigger clubs to be the ones dominating, but I think if we can get to a point where you know that's not the case and the, you know, the, the, tradi- the clubs who aren't traditionally as big are actually you know, playing really well and performing really well, not just on the field, but off the field, you'll raise the quality of the built league significantly and yeah. will make it, you know, almost a bit more palatable to those casual fans. Well, I think casual fans is part of it. I think also we're, we're uh, a global audience and we're, you know, the EPL dominates. And, and yeah, quite obviously, yeah. you watch the EPL on TV, you watch Glory Live, um, the quality is very, very different, but you've got to understand what you're watching. I watch state league football. I watch state league reserves and and still enjoy it. So it's about you know yeah. adapting your expectations to to the game. Um, journalism. Getting back to that though, um, I remember back in the day when my kids were playing juniors. The junior results were all in the paper with yes. scorers and everything yeah. else, and the adult leagues were all there with the scorers, state league, etc. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. And I think you know. Uh, your thoughts on the traditional medias? I mean, people are saying that print is dead, and uh, I'm a former printer, so I know what happens when, <laughs> when something dies. Um, radio is another old-fashioned communication tool. The, the the things now, obviously, is online and um, TikTok and all the other mediums that we have and, and live streaming of games. Um, do you see a shift in that, that media presentation? You yourself said that um, the Sam Kerr stuff went out online from the West, but not, nowhere near the same degree of coverage within the, the printed paper. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there definitely is a bit of a shift away from it. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like, be, I like reading the paper every day. I like being able to, uh, you know, go in and... Oh, uh, cup of coffee. Have, have yeah. a look cup of coffee, beer, yeah, exactly. toast, a broadsheet in front of you. Yeah, yeah no, yep, that, that's yep. one of life's pleasures. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. You can flick, yeah, you can kind of flick through and kind of catch up on the uh, news of the day. And by the way, the Sam Kerr and West Coast Fever story was a kind of... Uh, it was on 18 and 19 of the West Australian today. Yeah, uh, you know... Yeah, well, it was in there, but yeah, I did, I did have to search. But yeah, there is obviously there is a bit of a shift away from that. Um, it's about, I guess, working out how you can combine the two, really, how you mm-hmm. can combine, you know, the, you know, the social media side with uh, the old-fashioned side. I think there's a place for both. I strongly yeah. believe yeah. that. Uh, not just saying that because I'm employed. No, but, no, no. Uh, <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there definitely is, and I think, you're, you know, the new media obviously offers new ways to catch people, you know, yeah. to um, 
you know, tell stories. I oh, think. The, the way, think the way we consume media has changed vastly. It has, yeah. yeah. It yeah. has, indeed. Uh, and I think one of the issues as well is because, you know, print has, you know, is not as popular. It means there's less advertising money going into the paper, which means there's less pages, which, mm. you know, just constricts everything. You know, like, it, people, kind of people, I've heard the criticism, oh, you know, there was only, like, six page, you know, six sentences on, you know, the glory in, like, you know, on X Day's paper, and it's like, yeah, well, I mean, they only had, like, seven or eight, um, uh, seven look, or eight pages. Yeah, but I think also the comparison is there's, there's like, four lines on the glory, and then there's there's a six-page yeah. special on Nick Nat Gets a Haircut. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's having a go at Nick Nat. What's no, no, look, he's, he's, a, he's a very popular footballer. He is, he he's, he's a great man. I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah. cheapening him. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying that the media coverage is, oh, look, here's, here's AFL. Every every opportunity, oh, look, here's AFL. Um, you know, I don't want to trigger someone about referees, but, you know, no, um, no. the thing is, you know, we get this story about the the assault on referees, which is yeah, appalling. Yeah. And then we get, we don't, this doesn't happen in the AFL. Or, or the one earlier on with the coach assaulting. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, but it the, does. Yeah, but when... Oh, no, I'm not going to go down yeah, there. Yeah, no. Is there a, uh, do you think there's a, a solution for that? Uh, you know, I, I can't see one myself, but um, it, is it a case of, with the ownership model that Tony Sage pays for, like you say, not, not so much advertising, you know, like a big full-page advertising of the Perth Glory, but, but pays for, for print, print space? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. I think, uh, I think a lot of the, if, you know, if, if he was to go down that avenue, he would probably have to. Uh, uh, well, so I think I feel like someone from the club would have to provide the words because I don't think. Um, oh, know, trust me, sure. Gareth Wood. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, and I've got I've got a lot of time for Gareth Morgan. He's a fantastic yep. guy, and yeah, he, yeah. You know, every time I've had to deal with him uh, for, for you know for media stuff, he's he's an absolute gem, and all the. You know, mm. all the stuff he does uh, behind the scenes. You know, even just, you know, the videos he was providing on, yep. uh, I don't know if you saw them. Uh, we spoke, the, we spoke to him. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. We spoke to him about that, yeah. Yeah, um, he's, he's a great guy. And he does he does a lot of great work in that space. Um, I think like, it's just got to be, you want positive stories that you can package mm. up. And, uh, you know, I know Gareth does a good jo- job of that. But when the club has kind of, is struggling a bit, um, you know, it's... Oh look, and I get it. When, when when you've got you know some of the the West Coast Eagle players who are household names um, competing against, say like Jack Clis- Jack Clisby, Clisby or yeah, you know, um, it is, is there's no competition with with the presence, yeah. but you've got to build that presence. So I get it. You now do. I, I realise that you're on. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Look, I realise you're on the short deadline and we've opened up a whole load of topics we can follow up with you later. <laughs> um, I really appreciate your, your time being on. Yeah, um, look forward to talking to you again. I know Huey no, yeah, is championing a bit to, to get into yeah. here. So um, <laughs> thank you very much for being on this morning, Ben. Been. No worries. Cheers, guys. I wish I could uh, stay longer, but I've got to trek up to uh, Bank Grove to play football. Yeah, today, it's a distance, so, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, mate. Uh, yeah, especially... Yeah. Especially coming from south of the river. I can tell you this. I've come from north of the river. Uh, the school holidays has made that freeway uh, exactly what it should be, a, yeah. a freeway. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank Getting you very much. Was great. Good awesome. on you, mate. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, you. Ta-da, Cheers, Ben. Guys. Okay, Ben Ben Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, great to, to get an introduction to him and, and get yeah. what, a bit of what he's about. Obviously, knows his stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult uh, uh, situation because... 
again, as we said with, with Gareth, he, he does a lot of online stuff. And, and as you po- quite rightly pointed out, Sean, that's the, the new medium that is easily available to everybody in the world. Yeah. Whereas the West Australian is available to Subscribers the West Australians. Or, yeah, purchasers. So, so, yeah. It's a difficult, uh, difficult one to, to fathom, but um, the point you make, the AFL don't need to pay any print media anywhere in this country to get their, their story front and centre. Hmm. The A-League and, and clubs like Perth Glory, even as, as Ben was saying, you know, Melbourne Victory, they... They almost in the case of here's some money print media. But it's very, can, but it's very interesting when you, when you say that. I mean, you, you go over to the eastern states, and I've been to, to yes. Sydney and Melbourne, and pick up a paper there. Yep. Their local papers are quite balanced. They, they, they have a, a good spread over rugby, soccer, yeah. and football. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and even the other sports as cricket and yeah. netball and volleyball. They, they've just got a good coverage, and, 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 and we seem to be yeah. very one-eyed here. Yeah. Yeah, outside, I don't, don't outside want to give, of the uh, AFL clubs, been the, the hard time. But you know, West Coast Fever, yeah, and they've been in, in the the National League for nearly twenty five years. They win their first yeah, Premiership, and as Ben said, it's page eighteen. Yeah. What the serious? Come I know, on. but but you've also got the best well, the footballer Coast, the in the world. Eagles won their first Premiership. The best foot. It was. You know, the, the whole best, paper. The best footballer in the world yeah. is in town, getting in town. keys to the city. Yep. She's a local girl. Yep. And I think FFA have news. dropped the ball here Back because talking talk to Penn, the whole yep. place was awash with, yeah. with fever kit and gear. And yeah, they, they should have been marketing the hell out of that. And they, we, I don't think we do it well. I, I'm not blaming the media for no, it. No. I think the, the code itself needs to, to be proactive. Well, that's why I wanted to ask the question too, Ben. Yeah. You know, that, that new ownership model where... Uh, the clubs in, in their region pay for the, the promotion. And I think they will, and they'll get better yeah, at it. All right, now on. we need to go to an outbreak. Yes, we we'll be back with Alex just after this. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au. Oh, it's all gone oh, quiet. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm walking some, back to... Uh, oh, I was expecting the, the next ad to just roll straight in, but it didn't. There you go. Anyway, look, we'll just roll with the, with the resistance. Okay, uh, joining us now is a um, special guest in Alex Epicus, who is the Perth Glory W League coach. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourselves? Excellent, mate. Yeah, brilliant. Um, great day for football out there, no matter where you are, whether you're playing the uh, walking football over at Floria or you're at Dorian Gardens today. It's a, a terrific day for football. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. 
Um, now, last season with the W League side, you came agonisingly close mm. to making the finals, um, and you, you haven't wasted any time building a team oh, together. Yeah. You, I've just gone through a, a list of players. It's, it's like you've almost got your entire roster um, signed up for, for next season. Is there any room for one or two players to come in, or you, you think you've got what you need? Ah, oh, look, you're, you're certainly right. Um, the, the core focus. Uh, up until recently, was in ensuring that we retain the core of the squad. Um, and that was the process, you know, this time last year as well. We recruited players and retained players and identified players that uh, would be part of the journey over a medium term, not not just a one-year sort of proposition. So mm-hmm. the idea for this season and going forward is always out of consistency and stability. Um, and the, the ones that weren't on those sort of longer-term uh, commitments, we, we then re-signed... Uh, in the last couple of months. So where we're at now is a really healthy position. Um, but no, we're, we're certainly looking at uh, a couple more additions in some key areas just to yeah, help us evolve the team further uh, for the upcoming season. With the Women's World Cup coming up, is there opportunities? I mean, some of the, some of the teams seem to be dominated with Matildas and, and fringe Matildas. Um, those fringe players are not going to get um, in the eye of the coach, if they're not playing full time, you you targeting any in in that kind of area? Yeah, yeah, we we certainly are. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and also, you've got some very talented women in there already. You've got um, Hannah Lowry, who's yeah, yeah. Um, in the Junior Matildas and headed off to the AFF Championships. Her growth as a player has been been enormous. Uh, look, it's um, it's a great news story, isn't it? You know, Hannah's. Oh, yeah. A fantastic character, and um, she's certainly doing some really great things. But, you know, in all honesty, she's not the only one. There's a lot of other yeah. talented WA players in that squad who have got a story to tell as well. Um, and, you know, there's there's some yeah some young players that are coming through that I'm certainly excited about, the club's excited about. Um, and, you know, we're, we're hoping to uh, give those players that platform um, in the coming season and, and in the future. Absolutely. You look at the um, NPL uh, teams that are out there playing around at the moment and uh, you've got so, some people like Larissa Walsh who are certainly making a name for themselves. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's an opportunity there for, for players to continue to play at a good level during the winter and, as you said, put their best foot forward. And uh, you know, we're, we're taking a very close eye looking at everyone and, and analysing games and analysing fixtures and players. So we're... we're any decision we make, it's a, it's a really thoughtful one. You know, it, it's based on analysis, based on assessment, and the players that are doing well are, are going to be looked at very strongly. And your attacking force is looking good. You've got uh, several good strikers. Tash Rigby joining them now. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, Tash, is, uh, she's an attacking weapon, you know, down that right side. Yeah. She's got that capacity to, yeah, to, to get beyond players, to, to cross... Yeah, to, to be a, a good player in those dangerous areas, um, yeah, she's, yeah, that, now that, that she's found her scoring boots, it'll, <laughs> it'll flourish. That, that last minute winner uh, for, for Fremantle wasn't a cross, it was a shot. She tell, a shot. She'll tell you that was yeah. a shot. <laughs> well, I, I spoke to her afterwards and, yeah, she, she told me it was a shot. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll back her there. Absolutely. <laughs> <Go> now, <here. laughs> towards the end of the, well, after the, the W League had finished, and obviously there was um, a bit of a change in leadership within the Glory uh, men's side, Ruben stepped up to being the first team coach and you were given the reins of the NPL squad. How did you find that as an experience? Mm. Yeah, no, it was, um, you know, obviously the way in which the situation presented itself, it's never it's never a clean one or a comfortable one. No. But nonetheless, when you're in those positions, you've, you've just got to step up for the club and, and play a role. And that's that's what I did in that time. And it was it was a good opportunity for me just to, um, yeah, be exposed to, you know, a senior men's environment and what that looks like and, and the, the characteristics around that. Uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed those five, six weeks that I was there and, um, I'm, you know, I got a lot out of it, and I'm, I'm hopeful that the players did as well. Do you, do you think it uh, helped yeah, your yeah. growth as a coach to yeah, to just switch out yeah. the, the 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 gender and? Yeah, look, I think um, you know, coaching is a process, and any time that there's a new sort of facet to that process, you're going to grow. You know, whether that's senior men, senior women, youth boys, youth girls, um, you're going to grow from every experience. And I think along my journey, it's just about filling those experiences as much as possible. And, and did you need to change your coaching style or did you, you just just keep being Alex and, and not change anything about you or did you become a little bit more aggressive with the men than you would with, with the, the women? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, look, consciously, no, 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 nothing changed. You know, I, I've got a set of you know, processes that I, that I stick by and beliefs that I stick by and that wouldn't change regardless of who I was coaching. Um, you know, my communication is what it is and it's, it's just got to be based on clarity, based on consistency. Um, and obviously you've just got to build the rapport with the players and obviously with every player, um, within any group, you've just got to find that, that sort of, uh, sweet spot with them. So no, it wasn't a particular focus point when I took over the, the senior men's side, it was more so just making sure I can connect with each one individually and, and get my points across. Okay, fair enough. Now, with uh, Lisa Devanna, it was uh, excellent to see Lisa back in the uh, in the home colours of, of purple. Is there a role for Lisa in the upcoming season? Yeah, so as you mentioned, it was it was fantastic to have yeah. Lisa back, and it was a real real asset. And you know, I, I keep telling her and, and anyone who wants to listen, but she certainly improved me as a coach throughout last season. Um, so, look, we're we're in communication. She's doing a little bit of work around the club in the community space at the moment. Mm-hmm. She's assisting me doing um, some some match sort of uh, assessments and, and scouting. Obviously, to have more eyes out on the fields, the better. So she's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's playing a role in those areas at the moment. And, we'll, yeah, we'll just look to see how, how it progresses further. Well, that's good, yeah. Because, I mean, Lisa has um, publicly stated that she doesn't really have an interest in coaching. But I think that would be a loss to the, to the sport uh, and, you know, that the fact that she found her way back home um, to the glory, I, I would hate to lose that sort of, that's, as you say, an asset. Um, to but I saw something recently where she is coaching. So Yeah, <laughs> and that's true enough as well, yeah. So um, yeah. is there any... Possibly- She's really passionate about the community and grassroots yep. space. Yep. Right, okay, good. Well, and that's, again, we, we say on this show on a, on a regular basis, if you get the base of the pyramid right... The, the, the top will be always pointing in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, yeah. and I think as a coach, um, yeah, you, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, you didn't start at the top. You have to start at the bottom. You've got to work your way up. And, you know, as you grow, those challenges then 
you need to say, do I want this challenge? And if that's, the answer to that is yes, then you take the next level. I suppose that's that's how you've approached it. Uh, look, I think with coaching, there's no real career path. You know, it's not in a in a corporate setting where you sort of go in as a graduate and you work your way up to a you know to a team leader and then a, a senior manager, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's uh, there's no formal process which makes the journey unknown. And the unknown of it for some people, it's you know, it's it's not enough, it's not stable enough for them to you know to to want it. So mm, I think yeah. you know, it, with coaching, you've just got to have the purpose and you've got to be aware of where you're at within the ecosystem and, and what you want to achieve and uh, it's, a, it's an unknown journey and you know yeah. uh, so many uh, turns that you just don't expect Yep. Well, and you say that like last year, um, oh, one one home game, yeah. you spend your entire season oh, away geez. from home. Um, all the plans that you had, you, you just <laughs> put them through the shredder and, and you know, making it up mm. as you go along. Um, and I suppose th- those experiences have made your, your squad a lot stronger as a group. I think that the one thing that, that came across very, very strongly was how united that group yeah. was last year. Through all the trials and tribulations, you know, they just held together and played for each other. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. And um, to be honest, you know, the, the leadership group, every player had a, had a part to play in making that as cohesive as it was. The, the leadership group in particular, though, you know, really led the way. Um, Tash Rigby, Kim Carroll, Lisa Devanna. Yep. Um, you know, just, just, to say, just to say a few names. But, yeah, the, the, the three of them played a, a really critical part in, in what we did. And um, I, I think... As a whole, we're going to be much more resilient. And going through the you know, initial conversation we said about retention of the players, well, we've experienced something that no one else will ever experience. You know, World Cup teams don't go away no. for three months in no. a hotel. <laughs> so uh, we, we certainly feel like a family, and, and we, we can't wait to get the family back together for next season. Brilliant. So with next season, <clears throat> there's been some some changes in the structure of the league, and and you know by 2024 you're going to be looking at having a um, a 22 game season. Yeah, two it's, more games. Yeah, yeah. it's you know two more teams. The, sorry, the growth of that league with the extra two yeah. teams in you know, one this year and one next year. Um, that's going to be great for you as a coach to have more teams involved and to have a longer season. Well, um, again, we had Tash on uh, yeah. just recently, and that's what she kept saying. More games, more games, give us more games. Yeah, well, what a fantastic opportunity and fantastic outcome. You know, mm. I think the the step this season's a nice, strong, positive one, and then the one for the following seasons, you know, where now all of a sudden we're looking at it at a as a viable, you know, option as a as a full time yep. professional yep. sort of setup where there's a number of quality games where there's, you know, the training is a big part as well. You know, we're spending a lot of time together as a team where you're doing in that uh, putting in professional environments together for players to be a part of. So everyone's going to benefit. Um, and I think it's something we should really celebrate and be excited about. Yep. Yeah, look, definitely. And then leading into the World Cup, the, the, the only way you're going to get better is by playing. Yep. Um, and I suppose that people would say, oh, there isn't the depth. But, you know, two extra teams, it's, it, to me, depth is an opportunity-based thing. If you've got the opportunity um, to, to quote yep. another code, build it and they will come. Yep. And, and with that depth, can I, can I ask you about the, um, the keeper situation? Uh, is Morgan and Courtney coming back? Uh, so Morgan was on a, a two-season contract when we signed her last year. Yep. Uh, when we brought her back from Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we're we're really happy with how how she's progressing and what she's doing. Um, in terms of yeah, the, the 
the other goalkeeper uh, option at the moment where yeah where we're still looking at things in a, from a broad perspective. Okay, so it was interesting that you had uh, when we were talking as Sean did there about the depth. The depth of that goalkeeper squad last season was just immense. I mean, oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two number ones. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, look to to be honest, to be brutally honest, yeah, any player that we we sign or we look to sign going forward, they have to be first grade, first choice ready. Yep. Yeah. And then if we've got those options, then the squad grows, the squad becomes competitive. The players know that there's someone who's ready to to sort of you know fight for that position, and we have to create that internal sort of uh, atmosphere where players know that they're there's a level of performance required, and then that just builds the team. And, you know, the players are certainly happy. If, once they, if they lose out to someone, they're supportive of them. There's no, there's no issue there. But knowing that we do have the depth is uh, it's a, it's a real strong point. Yeah, it's interesting because I, re- I read an article um, yesterday with Melissa Barbieri saying that, you know, she's been in the league forever yeah. and she's got 150 games, but she spent an awful lot of time on the bench and no complaints. Yeah. And you, you look at Tando Valafi, who yeah. basically... Perennial uh, backup goalkeeper, friend of the show, Vince Matas is the same. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and it's been such a specialist position. It's one of those ones he, you've got to be ready to go out there at any time, but also aware that you could be on the bench for a long time, get one opportunity, and then the other person's on the bench for a long time. AKA ready. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's, yeah, as long as you're providing the support for all the players equally mm. across the group, uh, and that transparency and honesty, then. Yeah, that, that's what the players, as long as they've got the fuel to, to know how to be better and to compete for the spot, you know, having a great squad depth couldn't be managed. No, true. Yeah. And so going forward now for the, the next season, you've got uh, pre-season training will be starting shortly, I imagine? September? Yeah, uh, I think we're, we're early October, October, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And then um, you, you've got a few more objectives this year, you know, Kind of hoped last year to get to the finals. I would imagine that your your goal is is to be in those finals and, and preferably in the top two. You're setting the bar high for us. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't um, think you're. I don't think you're a, a low bar person. No, no, That's, no. no, no, no. Look, you, you're right. We, we we're ambitious as a group, and we the, the aim is always to be competitive in every yeah. match and to have a game a game style that can win us that game. Um, and we we know that we competed with the best last year. You know, we, we beat Melbourne Victory. Yes. Uh, yep. We ended up winning the competition, and we beat Adelaide yep. down, you know, one player. So there's enough there to show the group that we're certainly heading in the right direction. Now with more time together and with a full uh, complement of home games <laughs> for this upcoming season, you, you hope that there's enough there um, that, you know, that gives us the, the real opportunity of pushing for that top four. I don't want to put a ceiling on what no. the team's capable of because they're a young group and being a year older and a year more mature, um, you know, it's it's a pretty special group and, I, yeah, I won't put a limit on no. it. I'm just going to support it and facilitate it as much as I can. Yeah, I remember but I suppose the thing yeah. is for, for women in the game, there was no better reminder of what's possible when a, a local girl was given the keys to the city <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> you know, and, and not just because... Um, she's from WA, but she she is amongst the world's best. Yeah. And and you know I keep saying this about football. I don't use the the term female footballer. She is yeah. the best footballer this country has produced. Me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's so um, inspiring, and it's yeah, it's something which I think everyone can resonate with. 
in one way or another. So it's it's fantastic, and we just want to create more players of that ilk, don't we? Yes. Oh, without a doubt. And look, I think when you look through the list that you have, there there are the, the players of that ilk, and maybe not so much in in the talent. And I know Tash won't mind this. Um, Ta- Tash is is no um, sound when it comes to ability, but for the rest of the stuff, the persona, the 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 humbleness, and the, the way she looks after other people, she certainly is is a match for her. Uh, it's an, it's another level, you know. And every every player is going to bring something to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, and you've just got to get that mix right within a squad to, in order for it to be successful. So, yeah, that, that's the job of a coach, you know, find get the right people on the bus and, yeah, let's go for the journey together and see what it brings. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm absolutely buzzing about the, yeah. the next season, what it, it produces, looking forward to seeing um, what finishing touches you put to that squad and then, you know, looking looking really forward to the first game of the oh, season. Yeah. It's uh, with that, I think that extra couple of games in the next two years is going to make a big difference to the league. Yeah, no doubt. No, we're, we're very excited and, yeah, we, we, I personally can't wait. I, I just want the time to be now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, excellent. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Alex, thank you for stepping up and, and coaching the, the MPL boys when they needed a, a good coach. I think it was, it was good experience for them as well. Um, and thank you for being on the show. No, my, my pleasure any time and enjoy the rest of the day. Will thank do, you. mate. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Good one. Alex Epicus of Perth Glory, always a pleasure to talk to him and, yep. you know, man on a mission. I know he's um, he's uh, a bit humble about his aspirations, he's, but he's a coach and he wants to win it. He, he wants to win yeah, that a lot. No, and we've had him on several times and he, he always deflects that question with the same straight, same grace, straight yeah. bat. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. If you put, if you put a, a word on expectation, then that, that, as he said, that's the ceiling. No, no, play... This game, we've set you up, we've we've prepared, we've done everything we can to make yeah. this game the, the the cup final that it should be. Because you know, as a referee, the amount of times I've heard people, oh, you cost us the league, ref. No, no, you lost last week and the week before and the week before. That cost you the league. Every game should be considered a cup final. First game of the season, last game of the season, you play it to the best of your ability, and if you do that. You prepare correctly. Your expectation doesn't matter because you will be where you need to be. Oh, look! It's you know when you look at the, the Man U situation, um, yeah. you know it was it was the draw against X or Y that yeah, cost them yeah. no, the, that, the loss that, against you know one of the lower league yeah, teams yeah. that cost them. It wasn't the, no, the last game of the season. No, 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 it's no. never the last game yeah. of the oh, season. We expect to win the, the the Champions League. Oh, you didn't. So what? No, come on, mate. You know you expect to be improving each game, and if you do that, then you will. Go there. Do you want me to do the uh, the women's uh, results or, or? Yeah, it goes. Okay, ladies first. Ladies first. So we've got uh, last night we had uh, uh, Mum FC two 0 winners over Subiaco AFC and Fremantle two two Tash Rigby Fremantle two two over Curtin Uni. Perth will play Balcata Etna on Sunday and the Perth Red Stars will play the Hyundai NTC on Sunday. Uh, where we got that gives us the. Ladder at the moment has Perth Red Star still runaway leaders, 13 games, 13 wins. Fremantle City in second place on 25 points with 15 games played. Perth are in third place, 12 games. So three games less than Fremantle on 20 points, but only five points behind. So there's mm. an opportunity for that to change. Uh, so that that's good news. Um, last week's results for the women's game was Curtin Uni 1, 
Sibiaco two, so that's a great result for Greg Farrell. Sibiaco. Yep. Perth Red Star four, Balcata Etna zero. Perth, a 1-0 loss at home to Mum FC, so Penn's smiling. And we've got Fremantle City with a 1-1 draw with Hyundai NTC last week's results. Excellent. And just want to throw you under a bus. The, go on, the in. NPL. NPL. I've got a yeah, yeah, here we go. NPL, Woody, we will go with last week's results. NPL, round 15, Perth Glory 0, Sterling Macedonia 1, Gwellup Croatia 2, Bayswater City 3, Coburn City 1, Inglewood United 2, Balcata Etna 1, Armadale Soccer Club 3, Sorrento FC 1-1 with Perth and the Perth Red Star 2, Floriot Athena 3. Ah, stop that. The results, for, uh, the, the fixtures for this week. <laughs> that fan mail coming yeah, no, through, I tried was to it? stop that before. The, yeah. <laughs> the fixtures for today, Armadale will play Perth down at Alfred Skeet. Perth SC will play Balcata Etna. And they, I don't know if they've got the Italian yeah. Cup again for that one. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I love it when they do the Ferrari Cup for when those two <laughs> play. That's brilliant. You see some excellent cars out there. That's at Dorian Gardens. Floriot will play Coburn at Littis. Bayswater City will play Sorrento at Frank Drago. Inglewood United will play Gwalup Croatia at the Inglewood Stadium. And Sterling Macedonia will play Perth Red Star. The ladder at the moment has Floriot top of the table, 15 games played, 32 points. Sterling Macedonia, great return to the uh, the Premier League in second place. Again, 15 games, 30 points. And Bayswater City in third place on 28 points. The other end of the table, Balcata Etna still doing it tough. They're uh, in 12th place, which is bottom of the table, 13 games played, two points. Gwalup Croatia, in 11th place, 14 games played on five points, and Coburn City, 15 games played on 14 points. More? Yeah, why not? Why not? Oh, cool. You, you go on then, mate. Uh, where are we going? That is um, Joondalup. So we'll go to the uh, state first division results from last week. Joondalup City. Uh, sorry, Joondalup United to <laughs> Joondalup City. Joondalup, the wrong league. Joondalup United to Dianella White Eagles 1, Mandurah City 1, Rockingham City 2. So that, uh, that derby down there finished with the away side winning that one. Quinns 0, Olympic Kingsway 2, Subiaco 0, Fremantle City 1, UWA Netherlands 0, Mum FC 5 and Forestfield United 1, Western Knights 3. Mm. Today, yeah, that that wasn't a result, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, fixtures today, and again, all these are, are starting at 3pm. And again, no uh, COVID-related issues that we know of. Mum FC will host Western Knights. Fremantle City will host Quinns. Olympic Kingsway will host Joondalup United. Rockingham City will host Subiaco. UWA Netherlands will host Mandra City. And Dianita... Dianella White Eagles will host Forestfield United. The latter currently, with a couple of teams not having played their full complement, has Olympic Kingsway 14 played, 36 points. Western Knights in second place, 13 games played, 31 points. And Fremantle City also 13 games on 29 points. At the other end of the table, UWA Netherlands, 14 games played, 6 points. They're currently at the bottom. Quinns, 12 games played, 11 points, and Subiaco, uh, 14 games played on 13 points.
Thank you very much, Hugh. We'll go to a break and Good we'll one. come back with Mark Twamley. Yeah. Good we one. still have Divi 2 to catch up on <laughs> before we talk to Mark, but <laughs> that is Mark um, Anthony. But, yep. but we'll be back after these. Good one. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers, just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. There you go, 107.9 FM on your dial. Okay, a bit of background noise with the Gremlins there, having a bit of a scuffle. Um, all right, joining us now is someone who's involved in Divi 1 has been for a little while in Mark Twamley, who is the president of Forestfield. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hello? Mark. Mark. I can hear him. Yeah, Darth Vader the voice on the background there. Yeah. But... Hello, Mark. Yes, good morning. Hey. <laughs> oh, that's live radio for you. <laughs> um, Mark, uh, you've been at Forestfield uh, a good while now, yes. and, and this season is your, your last season as president, I believe. Possibly this could be the, the last radio interview you do as the president of Forestfield. Um, what do you think your legacy has been at the club? Uh, probably upsetting as many people as I can. <laughs> That's what we like about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, oh, look, it's been a really humbling experience. Um, I've absolutely enjoyed it all through the good times and the bad. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's that sense of uh, giving back to the community that, that, that keeps giving that energy to you to keep doing what we do. Um, I know we're going to talk about Rod Banjack um, yes, shortly, yes, but, yeah. um, you know, the great man was all about the local footy club being part of the community and giving a chance for all the kids to come through. Um, and, and when we talk about kids, it's the five-year-old kids right through to the 55-year-old kids. And, and giving everybody that's part of your club an opportunity to play football, to engage with their mates, um, to help their community and uh, and to enjoy the wonderful um, world game of football that we all are so passionate about. And you certainly have engaged the community well. And I know that the president prior to you kind of set a lot of that in motion and that the, you know, the 
the stand that you've got now is um, you know a testament to the entire club. But you, you're utilising that facility as much as possible. You, you're sharing ground with the glory. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on in, underneath that brings football to the community and, and the accessibility of that football. Uh, absolutely. And, and, we, and we're continuing that program on. And I think when you cultivate good relationships with local government, with your local community, with your local politicians, you can, you can bear that fruit. So um, we've still got about 50 grand's worth of renovations occurring yep. wow. to the yep. change rooms, which will, will help in the comfort, particularly mm. for our, uh, our female players. Yep. Yep. And um, the committee and I uh, negotiated with um, the local federal Labor candidate that um, that Labor, the federal Labor government will fund... Uh, $8 million worth of renovations to Hartfield Park, of which over $2 million of that will be a direct benefit to the football club, um, which will be a complete rebuild of the away change rooms, mm-hmm. which I'm sure everybody... <laughs> will be very happy about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be happy. We might even put some hot water in there. No, wow. No, hey, 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 um, hey, settle down. Carried away. <laughs> <laughs> and it will give us some more storage and some more toilets and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. so it really continues, and I, and, I, and I hope that the club and the new committee for next year will also carry that forward. I know the council are, are interested in talking to us about the next stage, um, and I think that the, the boutique stadium style vision that, yep. that Rod and Andy and myself have carried forward, I really hope that that progresses uh, now, into the future. I suppose a lot of people is, a lot of people will hear you say that, but they don't understand where you came yeah, from yeah. And, and how that came about. Now, I was at Forest Field um, with my kids back in the, the late 80s through to the, the late 90s um, and in, in the committee in that time. And our engagement with council was a very, very different kettle of fish. It was football first, rugby, hockey, and then maybe us. So to, to lift yourself up through that ladder to at least have an equal voice with those other groups, um, they were very much a, a, an Aussie rules council back then. So it, there's a tremendous amount of work being done over that 30-year period. Well, you, you're dead right. And, and it, it's about... the the data that, that tells you who's living in the city of Kalamunda. Um, and, you, and as many times I've pointed out to, uh, to our councillors and staff at the city of Kalamunda, when you look at the people who are moving into the area, who are migrating into the area, uh, most of them from other nations, they're from football-playing nations. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, that's right. And, and if you go down to uh, Forest Field now and you'll see the Afghans, all having a kickabout, and you'll see the Africans having a kickabout, and they they all want to be Australian. Yeah. No doubt about that. But let's make them feel comfortable and welcome, and give them something that that they're familiar with, and help them bond with the community. And why not do it through football? Oh, look, I've, uh, I've said it what, time and time again. I mentioned it to yeah, the sports minister yeah. when COVID was was crippling clubs that the these clubs are the heart and soul of your community. Um, as a migrant myself, my my connection to community was through Forestville Football Club and I've got lifelong friends, associations, work and other things through that and I, I, I don't want it to be lost on people just how important it is to engage with a club of any sort, not necessarily well, I prefer football 
but you know clubs are the, the hub of of your community. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I always say, and every time I speak in public, I'll say that you know the health of a community is measured by its investment in sporting and recreation services. And you go down to Hartfield Park, and yes, you know, we'll all hope that, that our football club continues to get stronger. But when you look at rugby, when you look at AFL, when you look at cricket, um, yep. hockey's got a great new facility down mm-hmm. there in Forestfield. That's right. And every kid and every adult that you can engage in sport is someone that has a good chance of lead, leading a healthy and balanced life. So, you know, everybody should be on board with engaging with local government getting improvement to their rec facilities. You know, the houses seem to pop up everywhere. And we've <laughs> got to maintain that adequate amount of green space so that everybody can get out and enjoy yep. their sport and rec on the on the weekend, whatever flavour it is. So what has been your biggest challenge as a club president being? Oh, look, I, again, I, I say it in a jocular fashion about upsetting everyone. But it's just trying to keep everybody happy. Yeah. And I think, you know, I try and apply the 80% rule. If I'm keeping <laughs> 80% of the people happy 80% of the time, I think we're doing okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, trying to grow the women's game, yep. trying to keep um, juniors and junior parents happy um, right through to the grumpy old masters. Um, it's a constant challenge. And then, of course, you throw in a pandemic that we've had for the last mm. three years. Mm. And you got that extra layer of complexity on top. So it's it's always uh, the challenge when you're dealing with a people business, and particularly in a sport where people are so passionate about um, what they want to do with their recreation time and, and their love of the game, mm. um, just trying to keep that balance throughout the club um, trying to keep the club heading in a positive and forward-reaching direction whilst understanding that all of your members have different views and different ideas on what they want to do. Some some want to see, you know, the kids looked after and get better value for money yep. and uh, better facilities. Um, you know, some of the older members just want to turn up on a Sunday, play their game, have a beer and go home. Yep. And then you've got state league programs and then you've got the ladies... So trying to throw that all into the wash and and keeping everyone happy is probably the the biggest challenge you have of a, as a president. Yeah. And uh, and relationship building, of course, I've yeah. touched on uh, local government, local members, local populations, and then the governing body as well. Um, trying to make sure that that tension between everybody is maintained and everybody can move forward. And, and is that assisted by your core values? Obviously, every club has. Um you know, a, a core value, and I think you know, Forestfield are one of the clubs. It's, it's built around honesty and integrity, doing the right thing. Mm. Um, we, you know, I know Hugh is um, triggered by the word referee assaults and things like that. But you know, you've got a club culture that that permeates through the club, which is which is about honesty, decency, and doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, as you know, I'm on the state league standing committee yeah. as well. Yeah, I was going to talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we've been fighting in a number of areas to lift the level of governance mm. across our sport. And um, as I said to someone the other day, I'm not going to lift my head above the parapet and start asking for change if my own backyard is messy. Yes. So we, we try and maintain those values at Forry. We try and do the right thing. Um, we, you know, we're quite strong with the discipline of our own people. Yep. Um, you know, I've removed people from the club for abusing referees. And written letters of apology to referees and all sorts of things. 
because they're the values that we've got to hold true to. And I think we owe it to the kids as well. Yeah. I mean, they have a hard, hard time enough trying to grow up in this crazy world that we live in at the moment. So you've got to demonstrate to them the values of working together as a community. So it's really important to us at Forry. You know, it's not just yeah. an eye on the prize. Yeah. We want to be as successful as we can, but we want to do it the right way. But if you go through to the state league um, stuff that you've been involved in, and, and some of that has been around the national uh, registration regulations mm-hmm. and the um, definition of a professional and yes. amateur player, yep. which you know has taken a long while to to get to, but I think that's starting to to change, and people are seeing that you know we we can't pick and choose what rules we subscribe to. The rules are the rules, yep. and we and we've got to follow them. Oh, look, you know that it's been absolutely fantastic to be to be part of that, and and the best part of it, and and uh, and I think Rod would have enjoyed this as well, is that it's been it's been club driven. Yeah, it's been mm. driven by the clubs that say, "Come on, let's do the right thing. Let's give everybody a chance. Let's not bow down to other other clubs that might be more predatory." Um, let's get value in terms of bringing our kids through and yep. holding on to our kids and giving them a chance to play at the highest levels. And, and of course, it's been club-driven. So whilst, whilst our governing body has gone off and done other things and building their new offices and all that wonderful stuff, the clubs have really driven this issue and dragged everybody to the table. And uh, you can see some of the tribunal hearings when yep. uh, State Lake Standing Committee were fully behind Quinn's Yep. Um, in upholding their player contracts, you know that was just that was just such an important point in time, and uh, and it'll lead to much better things. And, and, uh, I, and I know for a fact through the work that you and Phil have been doing that other club presidents who were sceptical about the whole process are now converts, and that they all think it's a, a marvelous thing. I believe in the last transfer uh, window there were players that were exchanged, and and that the contract actually was was bought out and money was exchanged and it's how it should be when you're talking about professional players and I don't think we should shy away from being professional in all things we do. Yeah, exactly. And and it just it just protects the little clubs. Yeah. You know, you, you when when you when you're spending other people's money in putting together a state league program, you know, other clubs and, and the players themselves have to learn that when you make a commitment and that commitment is through a contract that you stick with it. And yep. just because someone flashes another 50 bucks a week in front of you, you can't just wander off and mm. uh, and play with whoever you like. And, and if it's an even playing field and if the culture grows so that everybody plays by the rules, it's got to be good for football. just has to be. Oh, look, you get no argument out of yep. me on that one. Yep. Um, now, this weekend, you're, you're playing Dianella in the memorial game for, for Rod Banjak. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rod was, was a, a huge, larger-than-life character in both clubs. And one of the things that um, yeah. we, we referred to, well, within my family at least, was the cult of Banjak. And it, <laughs> I don't mean that in, a, in you know, a disrespectful way, but uh, he just had that effect on did. people. Yeah. You know, he, he just had a, a, a really mm. big presence. And you just got sucked into that vortex. Yep. He, he was just magnetic. I mean, yeah. look, he, he was a good coach, um, yep. first and foremost. Mm. He had that ability to put his arm around players of all different types and get them to produce the best they could um, on the ground. Um, as a club president, he was wonderful because he could get them to play for almost nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
which is always helpful. Yes. Um, <laughs> but not only on a Saturday, but on a Sunday, he used to wander down to Hartfield Park and wander around watching the juniors play. And he knew parents' names and yeah. he knew the kids' names. Yeah. And when yeah. he came down the second time, he remembered their names and he would ask them questions. And he just had that ability to to bond with so many people. And it, and it leaves a legacy that, that very few can follow. And I know one of the the biggest complaint since Rod left us was I oh, trying to connect that state league program to the juniors and it was never like it when Rod was here but that was sort of one man that yeah. absolutely drove that yeah. was so passionate about it and you just you just can't reproduce that but um, but no he's uh, I often on those uh, darker nights when uh, when I'm troubled by something that that is happening at the club, and I, and I mm. reflect on on what would Banjack do. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the first thing I do, of course, is open a bottle of red. <laughs> and um, yeah. and then it becomes a lot clearer. Yeah. And uh, and and Rod was just do the right thing by the kids, do the right thing by football, and um, and that's certainly something that I've remembered uh, over the journey. Yeah, look, he, he's a, a presence, and, and we're missed by, by oh, yeah. so many people from different clubs. And you know, as much as the rivalry is on on the pitch, it'll all be united in your, your memories of, of Rod. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you, you do have a giggle about some of the uh, times he was suspended when he was overly critical of, uh, <laughs> of uh, Football West and other clubs, and uh, yeah. but. You know, he was right. He was and, right. And he, he, uh, he was right. Yeah. And, and completely uh, he, unapologetic. He was, yeah. 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 Well, when, when you're right, you don't have to apologise. You're right. <laughs> Correct. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be uh, he'll be sitting up there now yeah. uh, uh, looking down and thinking that uh, things are going in the right direction and he, he'd love to see it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, bringing Richie Abrams in this year with Malcolm, and uh, seeing uh, the produce of our MPL sides, MPL junior sides, come through and get debuts into the state league setup, he'd be he'd be really happy with that. And um, yeah. and it's all down to him and what he built and, and what we try and continue. Yeah, to he'd, he'd be yeah. very proud of uh, your club with um, Abdallah making his uh, first team debut. I mean, that, that, that's exactly what he was thinking. I'm, I'm not, you know. I'm not focused on a particular nationality, a particular gender. If you're good enough, get in there. And the other thing is, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely, and and you know, that's been our vision all the mm. way through. I think when we got Wallet by Mandra, you know, nine two, whatever it was, I yeah. stopped counting after about <laughs> five or six. Um, you know, there's no panic in the club. No, there's no. no stomping of feet. No. There was no slamming of doors. No. There was just a, there was just a sit down and a bit of reflection. Let's have a look and yeah. and telling the guys, you know, this is a learning journey for you. Mm. And when mm. you've got such a young squad, it's all about game management and and um, you know, young players, fantastic, they're fit as fleas and they can play football. But where they struggle is their game management, and, yeah. and that's that's our theme for this year is just trying to teach them. You're playing against men now who know how to hold the ball, yep. who know when to accelerate, who know when to pull back who know when to drop deep, who know when to press. And these are the things that young players need to learn. So you know, that this is the stuff that Richie and Malcolm sit down with the young squad yeah. every week and talk through. And as Rod and, would say, the uh, only way to learn it is to be out there and, and subjected to it. You you will yeah. learn from those players. Yep. You, you can't learn it on a whiteboard. No. Um, <laughs> you, can't, you can't watch it on YouTube. You've no. got to experience it. 
Yep. You know, we've got uh, young Ollie Legalia, who's, uh, who's our great uh, number nine. And uh, he's, he's, he's this kid in a man's body. And he's such a powerful unit. Um, and for the first time, he's getting these old, wise centre-halves that, that know some of the dark halves. You know? I resemble that remark. Yeah. On our Facebook extended, page. We, extended... We, Extended my career for five years. Don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, yeah. so we got a Facebook page, um, a quote from Johan Cruyff. The football brain is when to run, where to run, how to run. It's the decisions like this that come from the brain that determines whether you're a good player or not. And yeah. the only way you can learn that is by playing. Yeah. Exactly, mm. exactly. So so these kids are learning yeah. lessons every week, yep. uh, win, lose or draw. And, um, you know, we're going to go out there this afternoon against a very strong Dianella outfit yep. yeah. and have another crack and, and learn some more lessons and hopefully put some goals away and uh, come away with three points. And, and the thing is, I suppose, whether you do or whether you don't, and look, I've been at a club that's done a similar thing, um, you go out there and you win and lose on your own terms oh, yeah. in, in your way and you accept that, you know, if your principles are right, the the good times will come. You've just got to be able to to go. Look, we've got the right coach. We've got the right players. We're not going to panic. And and if flirting with relegation is part of that, then that's part of that. And you can't go out there and just buy a squad of players and just throw them in and go against all your principles. Uh, well, you know, some people do it. Yes, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you know, it's um, it's an expensive business, and uh, and. You know, how good is it for football? I, I had no issues in there being money invested mm. in the game no. of football and mm-hmm. players getting paid um, good amounts of money for, for playing on the on the pitch. Um, but there has to be investment into the broader aspects of the game. Yep, correct. You know, um, you have to connect with your community. You have to have these junior programs. You have to invest in your coaches yep. and bring on the next generation. Mm. And invest and if, in your history. Oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. And, and if during that journey it, it, it happens that you win a cup or you win a league, well, that's just absolutely fantastic. Yep. Um, but always remember the journey is the most important thing. Absolutely. Now, the, there is another um, memorial match on, on Sunday um, at uh, Balga for Ray Illett, who oh, that, has, yeah. has been a, a coach around many places, including Forestfield. Um, and I know because I was there when he was there. Um, another great Forestfield um, person uh, when he was there, and he, he did a great job. And I think, you know, we don't do enough about celebrating these people that have, have left us, but um, another name worth mentioning. Absolutely. Ray's very well known around the club and around football in general. And Balga is another one of those fantastic clubs. Um, you know, I remember uh, playing against Balga, Balga in the days. Uh, Brian Burke was, I think he was their president or patron yep. or something like that yeah. uh, around that time and uh, played against his, uh, his eldest son, Tom. And uh, and Belga were another one of those fantastic migrant clubs that just allowed all the new Australians to come and connect with uh, connect with their new new country and yep. their community and that sort of thing. And um, and I think some of the work that they do is absolutely fantastic. Oh, look, their fee-free football and... has really encouraged that community. They do have again that, that dynamic hasn't changed with Belga. Uh, and you're right, they're, they're just you know a good club all round. Correct, and and it's clubs like those that that should be rewarded. Um, 
on for the for the style of club that they run and the journey that they take everybody on and uh, and not enough recognition is given to those uh, those community based yeah. clubs and like people forget ray ray was so close to going to the 74 world cup for australia yeah. he, i mean he was a superstar player he was yeah without a doubt yeah yeah that was uh they were, they were the good old days weren't they, they <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I remember our journey my dad um Played with uh, the Greylands Migrant Hostel um, <laughs> side in yep. the mid seventies, and uh, and they were a pretty good side. They had a huge turnover of players, of course, yep. because you can only stay on the hostel for twelve months. Yeah. Um, so every, every season was a new team, <laughs> but uh, but they absolutely enjoyed their football, and they were great times. Everybody uh, learnt about the new country of Australia and the state of Western Australia, mm. and uh, and of course that they were the teams that Forestville grew out of. Yep. Mm. Greyland to Ascot, Kalamunda to, to Forestfield. So, yeah, yeah, um, and, and and of course uh, other uh, teams. You know, all the all our good ethnic teams grew out of uh, migrants landing mm. in their new country yeah. and uh, celebrating their history as well as their future. So, um, so very healthy footballing days. And uh, and I think as we move on and we we welcome new migrants to the country from other places. It's about opening our doors and mm. uh, and getting those kids and, and, and the old kids into playing football as well. So as you come to the end, end of your, your journey at uh, Forestfield, do you, do you have any advice to uh, an up-and-coming or aspiring president of the club? Uh, have a good psychologist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good supply of red, by the sounds of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah or, or use uh, or use Rod's uh, bottles of red pill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, I think the key to um, administrating football clubs is all about relationship building, mm. um, both internal and external. And uh, and I, I think of some of the things we've achieved. And they've been through good relationship building outside of the club. And then I think of some of the things that didn't go so well, and that was probably because of poor relationship building in other areas. So right. it's all about relationships and harnessing the energy of your community and the people that you work with to get the best outcomes. Mm. And, uh, and of course, don't take it too seriously. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. win, lose or draw on a Saturday afternoon. You always go into your opposition's club rooms yep. and enjoy a bevy with them yep. and say, well played. Always thank the officials. That's yep. something I drill into my teams every year. I go in and see them before they uh, roll out for their first game and remind them that the officials are there um, to manage the game and, and whether they do a good job or a bad job, you thank them for their efforts. And uh, and thank your coaches too. Mm. A lot of them are volunteers yep. or or just get a few shekels for their efforts. Yeah. And uh, remember that uh, everybody has a part to play in driving your club forward and and getting that message out to the parents, uh, particularly the newer parents that are coming through. You know, teach your kids to be part of the community. Go and volunteer. Go and help out yeah. in the canteen. Go yep. and cut the oranges at half time. Yep. Don't just drop your kids off and then come and pick them up at the end. Um, engage with them in their love of football. And uh, and teach them lessons about being good citizens by putting your hand up and helping out every now and again. Well said, absolutely. Now you obviously you've been a member of the state league standing committee for a while. Do you do you feel you've achieved anything within in that group? Do you feel that the 
the group itself has become more listened to or or has driven the business um, themselves more more than been responsive to the instructions given from above? Um, look, I think I think they're they're a vital part of uh, Football West and yep. and and how Football West does its business. Um, do we get listened to all the time? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. And maybe that's because we haven't put a, a good enough argument up. But mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've been consistent in the themes that we've looked at over the three or four years that, that I've been on the committee. And we've delivered some consistent messaging, particularly around governance, um, player contracts, um, squad lists, all that sort of thing. And you, as we talked about before, um, we're starting to see some great progress in those areas and that's just been through um, the wishes of the clubs themselves. So those members on the State League Standing Committee that have come from clubs in both Div 1 and Div 2, you know, we've, we've talked about it, um, every meeting we talk about it and we've all come to a, a, a landing that we need to drive this issue forward. Mm. So... Um, I'm going to stick around on the state la- on the standing committee for a while. Excellent. Um, maybe until maybe until I get thrown off. <laughs> uh, but um, but you know it's something that's important to me. I know it's important to Phil and and the other members and uh, and we'll keep pushing these issues forward. And I think we're starting to see those green shoots come through yep. of uh, of what we're trying to achieve and uh, and all strength to it. It's a, a very forward-thinking thing with, with, you know, obviously the, uh, the Skype options that we have these days mm. that you could be an independent member because I think one of the things that I know from my own involvement in State League uh, standing committees is that people go there with a, with a club agenda and to have someone there that doesn't have a club agenda is really good. I think those in those committees you need to be able to park what your club interests yeah. are and sometimes... The argument you're having is not actually going to do your club any good, but mm. it's better for football. Yep. And I think having an independent member is a really clever step by the State League Standing Committee. Yeah, look, I think, it, I think it's about balance. I mean, yeah. you've all got to go there with the experiences of your club. Mm. And everybody has that background history of, of the way their club's going, the things that affect the club, you know, when we talk about... You're all uh, football people, other, yeah. Correct. Mm. We, you know, predatory clubs coming in and try and get your players and you learn from that experience and you learn what works well and doesn't work well. So you take all that experience with you. And, and I think um, a bit different to when I was on the MPL standing committee is the State League standing committee, the, the vast majority of people just have that love of the broader game of football as opposed to what suits my club the best. Yep, yep. Um, uh, obviously, MPL, you know, high-level, uh, intense football. They they want to finish in the top four. They want to win the cup, win the league, and do all that sort of stuff, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, in the state league setup, I think there's a there's a bit more appreciation of that broader aspect of football, okay. and uh, and so when people get together around the table, um, it's that common bond where everybody can find that agreement and move forward.
But going back to what you said, if you don't get the base right, the yeah. top will tumble. So if you ignore if you ignore the foundations, you know, at your own peril, be it. Um, and I think that's one of the things the State League does very well because most of those clubs, like your own, is highly involved in grass, grassroots yep. football. And whilst you attain to be at the, the highest point, you're not going to do that at the cost of the, the grassroots. No, well, well, we can't afford to do no. it. So, um, you know, we have to invest in grassroots. We have to encourage those people to come through and we have to encourage them to stay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the ways to do that is ensuring that it's a, it's an even playing field for all the clubs. And it's it's about growing culture in football too. Yeah. Uh, culture is a really important thing in any organisation, uh, whether it be your normal work or, or your recreation or whatever it is. If you've got a good culture there... Mm where you're respecting everybody else's right to participate and to compete, then everything else sort of falls into place. If, if your culture is only about winning at all costs, yeah. um, then, then you're going to trip yourself up every now and again. Absolutely. Okay, Mark, thank you very much for your Good time enough. this morning. Yeah. Really appreciate you, you giving the time to us. Um, thank you for your service to your club and to the State League and to football in general. And I think, you know... I know you're not going to, to lose touch with, with the, the local game, but um, I think you'll be missed. Oh, will we? Yeah. No, I don't think I'll be missed. I'm moving to Broome, and I've already got a calendar on my fridge of everybody that wants to come up and have a holiday with me. So, you, uh, you, you've got me pencilled so, in, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. that We might be organising a couple of pre-season games up in the Kimberley. Why not? Look, it'd be a great, be a great thing to do. Um, and, you know... You could always invite another club up as yep. well and then have, you know, a round robin with the... You know, well, I was going to say, before, comp- before you go, Mark, will you be involved in the uh, the Kimberley Football Association? Oh, uh, look, I mean, yeah, you know you know what I do in my normal daytime job yep. with, the, with the police mm. and I'll be going up there to try and give a hand and, and having a look at youth crime and some of the issues that are in the media quite regularly with yep. what's happening up in the Kimberley. I know there is a junior soccer association yes, up in yep. Broome and I know that Football West have a representative they up do. there, yep. so you can guarantee that uh, I'll go knocking on their door Good. and sit down and say, you know, what can we do to to grow the the game of football in the Kimberley, but also uh, benefit the youth, get the, yeah. Uh, yeah, get the kids at risk off the street. I'll and, bring us a video uh, table up we, there. We could start that one up there. <laughs> we, we could do all sorts of things. So <laughs> um, you know, it's a very expensive place to do anything. Yeah, the distance that's involved. Uh, and obviously, the weather conditions play yeah. a big part in the lifestyle up there. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, look, 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 we'll give it a go. We'll get those bodies around the table, and uh, and we'll say how can how can we do something that benefits the community up here through football? Brilliant. No worries. Thank you very much, Mark. I won't say goodbye. I'll, I'll say see you later. That's it. No worries, gentlemen. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Mark. And uh, let's let's remember Rod Banjek today. Yep. What a great man. Yep. Absolutely. And that game at. Uh, Dinella is at a 5 p.m. kickoff. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you're into the Sunday games, the Ray games over at Balga. So, yeah, look, both both great men um, and been involved in a number of clubs around here and in football in general. But, yeah, look. We, so, we is all... that the, the Balga Kingsley game? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, I'm going to go on to that one. All right. Yeah. Yep. All right. All righty. Um, 
Yeah, a bit going on. But it's always, it's always the same when you talk about Rog. You know, you, you're left with this this yeah. wonderful memory at the same time. This this huge wave of sadness. So. Yep, and then then you think a little bit uh, harder, and you go, and the smile comes back almost immediately. Some of the things, even as a referee, some of the things that oh, uh, yeah. that, that I can remember of with with him with just <laughs> particularly particularly at Dianella. Uh, uh, it's just yeah, yeah. Uh, he's missed. There's no uh, choice uh, about that. With, without a doubt. All right, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back after that break with Mark Anthony from Gosnells. Good one. All right. Oh, don't relax. I want elbows and backs. I want to see everybody from behind. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth-generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install, or automate your gates, offer electronic security, or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Time. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. G'day. I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the world football team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannehoe, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best, and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast, or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And the world's greatest rook wingman, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be The world's second greatest wingman, because <laughs> he wouldn't have interrupted like that. <laughs> the world's greatest wingman will be back next week. <laughs> so before we put Mark on there, we've got uh, the results from last week for the State Division 2. Kingsley Westside 1, Joondalup City 1, Canning City 1, Swan United 4, Karamar Shamrock Rovers 1, Balga 2, Southwest Phoenix 2 and Mark Anthony's Gosnell City 7. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Wanneroo City 2, Curtin Uni 1 and Morley 1 with Ashfield 1. Fixtures for today. Ashfield 1, uh, sorry, Ashfield. I've <laughs> <laughs> already got the goal up. Yeah. <laughs> Ashfield will play Wanneroo. Karamar Shamrock will play Curtin Uni. Southwest Phoenix will host Morley Windmills. Joondalup City will host Swan United. Balga will play Kingsley Westside, as we heard, in the uh, Ray Illett Cup. That's tomorrow. And Gosnell will play Canning. Mm. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are we? Good, thanks, mate. The uh, the 7-2, tell us about that one before we get uh, further into the conversation. Yeah, look, good performance. Uh, really professional performance for the boys. Um, so it was a bit of worry having to travel down there, but mm. most of the lads had, had travelled down on the Friday. I think they played golf on the Friday <laughs> morning. Uh, so they kind of made a weekend weekend of it. Uh, but good performance, you know, 6-0 up at half-time. Yep. Uh, we, were, we were awesome first half, so really, really, really happy. And then it gave us an opportunity to obviously use the whole squad. And, and second half, we sort of dropped off a bit, which was probably to be expected. Wow, uh, but man. really happy just to get to get three points out, 
and which is normally a tough, tough away trip. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and people get distracted by the the whole Fumbry aspect Fumbry, of it. I no, Fumbry is the what we always <laughs> refer to it as. And look, I know some of the boys that went down there for for you because they did the same for us at Ashley when they played for us, and uh, they were right up there with the the Fumbry um, atmosphere. So it's really good that you know you you did that because yep. it's um. It is a tough trip, not because of the the game, but because of the distractions and it's a, the trip away can, can make or break you at times. Yeah. But, um, no, it's good to see um, Jamie Burns is starting to bang some goals in for fun again. Um, he must be enjoying his, his football now. Yeah, yeah. look, he's had a, a run of games now. Um, obviously, he was flying in pre-season then uh, he had a couple of weeks off because he had, uh, got, got married. So, yeah. His fitness had dropped a bit uh, after that, so we we had to get him fit again. But look, it was good for the confidence. He scored three goals last week. Uh, for any striker, if you're scoring goals, you're normally pretty happy and confident. So we're just hoping that that you know gives him a springboard for the the remaining games of the season. Look, uh, given I know Jamie a long, long time, and and I still think he's he's one of the most devastating people over the first three to five yards, uh, and he hasn't lost that ability. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. It's the other 20 yards after that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, then, then he's done, but... Yeah. Uh, no, nah, look, he, he, he's, he's sharp. Look, when he's sharp and, and he's, you know, he's up for it, he has a handful. And, and like I say, we're hoping that last weekend's game is a better springboard for him yeah. to obviously carry on scoring for the rest of the season. But no, you're, you're, you're dead right. He's pretty sharp in the first... The, the start of the season, the start of the season obviously wasn't the way you wanted it you know you yeah you started off with a draw against Ashfield then you were beating teams but by one goal and really with the the team and the quality you had um you know people felt that you should be a bit more than that um how much did the the disruption through covid yeah. um obviously Jamie getting married and the, the other distractions you know you didn't know where you were from week to week some sometimes you're playing one game every three weeks or two games in a week and it's it's hard to build a rhythm it is hard, you know. We, we we were impacted, like you say. We had a you see a slow start, but it's the first game of the season where we, we drew with Ashfield. And to be honest, when I look back on the game, a draw was probably a fair result. We we never uh, performed too well that day, to be honest. And a couple of weeks leading into the game, we were we were up and running, but that was one. And then you know we had the game cancelled ourselves when we got hit with COVID, and then other teams get hit, and, and it is kind of stop start. You know we had. A, a patch where we were up and running, we were flying, and then obviously you're training Tuesday, Thursday, and then on the Friday you get the news that the game's off. So yeah. it sets you back a bit. But you know what? It's, it's not just us that's had to deal with. There's other teams. You know, I think Cannons had four or five games cancelled. I know oh, Molly, Canning, Phoenix, every, every everyone's everyone's been affected. But it, yeah. it does when when you're getting you try to get that rhythm up, and and particularly with strikers, you know, you you want them to get confident and get the rhythm going but it, it seems it seems like now that the whole orchestra is working you you, you slaughtered Ashfield and then you followed it up with a great win against uh, Phoenix who have got their own issues but I, you know they're not a bad team and then you know it's going down there was always a, a tricky one so you, you're coming good you've got um, a tough game today um, it's just about building that rhythm you're sitting in second spot now yep um, you know, a game to play You'd be you'd be hopeful of, of of making your automatic promotion spot. I take it. Yeah, look, we'll we'll keep pushing. You know, we've we've played catch up all year. You know, we're still playing catch up, and and we're trying to drum that the the boys. You know, it's, it's extremely important for us to keep our form. 
Uh, like you said, the, the early early in the season we struggled to score goals. It was pretty simple. You know, we were dominating a lot of games and we struggled to, to take our chances. So there was three or four games where we found ourselves, you know, one 0 down we come back one two one, but that shows great character for the, the mm. spirit of our squad and then the last four or five weeks we have started scoring goals. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be a time where the, you know, we're not gonna go and score three, four goals every game. You know, but then in that aspect, we look at our defence to obviously keep it out the other end. And, and we've, at the minute, we've got the best defensive record in the league. And, you know, we aim to obviously try and keep it that way and, and at the other end score, score goals. But, look, you know, there's whatever, nine games left, ten games, whatever it is, there's, there's no easy games in this league. And, no. you know, we drummed that to the boys last week. You know, you're coming down, team's bottom of the league, but it's normally a tough trip. You know, thankfully, we, we come away with a win. But, you know, if you look at the results in the league, Every single team can beat each other, and, and we're aware of that. You know, we've got a, a potentially really tough one today for the the Frank Longstaff Cup, which which will be played like a cup tie. And you know, it's an important game for us, but every game's important for us. You know, we we take the pressure, and you know, there's a team above us, and we we've got to keep trying to push them and, and see what happens for there. Mm. Now, you've been in as a coach in Division Two for a little while now. What was your take on on the league? It. You know, when it first started off, it was um, kind of an amateur league as, yeah. as, they, as it developed. But it seems now it's a, it's a very, very tough league. When you look at it, you've got um, teams that all want to bounce back into the Divi 1 yep. within one season and haven't. And nope. start with Wanneroo. Yep. But you've got Gosnells, Swan, Ashfield, Southwest Phoenix, Morley, Shamrock, Joondalup City and Canning have all been Division 1 clubs who all have gone into that league with the expectation they'll bounce back up. Now, Forestfield, Mum and a few others, it's taken them a while to get there. It's it's, it's not a mug league. No, nah, it's not. And, and you know, I've been fortunate that, that I've coached in the MPL, I've coached in the first division, yeah. obviously now in the second division. Uh, if I'm being honest, it'd be disrespectful to say that it's an amateur league because um, you look at some of the players in the league, they're fantastic players, and the standard for me is getting higher every year. Mm. Uh, and it's tough. You've just rattled off the clubs there. You know, Forestfield went through a stage where yeah, yeah. they looked like they were likely going to the, the Premier League, yeah, the NPL, yeah. and, and then they now find themselves in the, the lower half of Div 1. It's an extremely... Div 1's an extremely tough league and, and for me, you know, I always say Div 2 is just as hard. You know, we've, we, we've been very unlucky in the sense that the, the last couple of years, the teams that have won it, um, I've spent a bit of money to, to try and get promoted. You know, Dianella last year, yep. the year before, Quinns. Mm. And, you know, we've been, we've been the bridesmaid uh, the two times. So, obviously, it's, a, an, it's an extremely tough league, extremely tough to, to get points. That's why it's, it's very important if you can start putting a run together and getting points up on the board. It's just really, really important. So, yeah. you know, we're obviously hoping to, to go up uh, and, and we'll keep fighting to try and win the league until the very last game, you know. And your thoughts on, on relegation from State League 2, um, not that you've ever flirted with yeah, that, no. but, you know, um, looking at it from, from another perspective that, you know, we've got some teams coming up now and I'm not decrying anyone Quinns came up with a very good setup. Yes. Um Kingsley with their um association yep. with Shamrock have, have also um got a good setup. But then I think there needs to be some recognition of what the state league is because it's very, very different to Division One Premier. And I you know, there needs to be I remember years ago when I played at Calamunda and we dropped out of the State League because of all the 
the conditions that were coming in. But I, yeah. I think, you know, Gosnell's, um, you know, what, what you have at Gosnell's is needs to be at least the, the, the standard for other clubs. You know, you've got um, a bar, you've got some seating, you've got, you know, a pitch that you can fence off and all those yeah. sorts of things. Because, uh, you know, there are some clubs coming up or look like coming up that are sharing grounds and playing out of parks with no facilities. So, you know, I'd, I'd just like to see the off-field stuff be as important as the on-field stuff. Oh, it should be. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And it should be. Yeah, I like to see. I mean, it's no ideal if you're sharing grounds. And look, if that's for a reason be your, your own grounds getting done up or for whatever reason, that's mm-hmm. fine. But, yep. you know, I, I'd agree and say that teams that are coming up should have their own ground and, and capacity, have juniors, like you say, a bar seat and... Uh, and make it as professional as we can, to be honest. And, you know, we're thankful at Cosmos. We've, we've got some things in place that, you know, the club's running well, the bar's there. It's a good place to go. Oh, the yeah. team's going quite well. The juniors are going well. So, you know, it, it is a good club to be at. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there just needs to be some some consideration about the, the, the gulf between the two. I think, you know, football-wise, then it, there is... Um, there is a bit of a gulf, yep. but also I think from a, a, a facilities perspective, there needs to be some some thoughts around that. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Look, we, we want to have the best facilities we possibly can, and every club should be the same. You know, yeah, when you're travelling no. away to other teams, you want to travel and you want to have decent change rooms, mm. decent setup, so you can play. You know, yeah. that's, that that should just be. You should, we should expect that, yes. to be honest. Yeah, well, my last guest was saying exactly that in, in Mark Twamley at Forestfield, which is what they've been doing, is that constant. Whilst they're doing on-field, you've got to be looking after the off-field stuff as well. And, and it's a negotiations with council, but it's it's much more than just that. And, you know, you Gosnells do a good job. They've been a, a very good, solid club over the last, oh, yeah. um, you know, 20, 30 years, really. Do the juniors extremely well. Um, have done the state league and the amateurs um, proud as well. So you know you're involved in all levels of the game, but I think you know for clubs that have never experienced that, and uh, you know I'm not going to single out a club, but no, if no. you've not if you've not been at that level and you don't have the the broad base, and we come back to your thing about foundations yeah, here, yeah. You, you need to have um, you know a history and, and an understanding of what the state league actually is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd be 100%. Now, just off the, the Gosnells thing for a while, um, since we last spoke, um, a team that you played for has um, done very well under Andy Postacoglu. <laughs> what, as, as, a, as a hoops, what do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, you'd be over yeah. the moon, wouldn't you? Ah, for sure. Uh, like, it's been, it was quite a surreal season, to be honest. Obviously, mm. you know, I, I know exactly what's going, going on back there in Scotland and Celtic feeling to win nine in a row was a bit of a disaster, but yeah. I mean, it, it, look, he's a fantastic coach. He's proved that wherever he's went. He's come over to Australia. He, you know, he created something special at Brisbane Road. He's coached at other clubs. Then he went to Japan. And mm. It's just no easy to go and win things over there. And he went there and they won titles. And look, a lot of people uh, were pretty critical when he yeah, got the job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, 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 there's different aspects of being a coach. And, the biggest one for, for him and, and for Celtic, especially with the fans demand success, is how you get success. And, and he got it last year playing a special brand of football and it was it was extremely extremely good to watch. Uh, and obviously winning trophies at the end of that was, was the icing on the cake. And 
it gives him a good platform now. You know, the fans love yeah. him. He's a hero in the in the eyes of the Celtic fans, and he always will be now for for what he's done coming in. And by all accounts, what he's done so far this year, preparing now for the new season, yeah. he's signed players, and I think Celtic will just get bigger and better this year. Yeah, and I hope you have a a, a good supply of Rangers fans <laughs> to unload on. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> how how is she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's still smarting for last year, but yeah, no, look, it's, it's good banter. It's banter in the house, and I had to take it last year when Rangers won the league, so yep. she took it. She took it there when and Celtic just won, and we'll start again for the new season. She must be over the moon that Tom Lawrence has signed for him. Gee whiz! Can, can you go further down the bucket, the bucket to find a uh, a more useless player? Oh my God! Oh, they, no, no, they got to, they got to the bottom of the barrel, lifted that, lifted the slab it was on, and there he was. There you go. Oh, that's that's harsh, Tom. If you're listening, I'm sorry about that, mate. But I did see you play for Derby County, and uh, quite frankly, she he was. He's he's gone down, hasn't I'm, he? I'm unapologetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, a, a big game today. Uh, like you said, the. The one thing within Divi 2 is anyone's capable of, of getting a result um, with anyone. Um, and what you, you did in your last game doesn't matter one jot. Um, you're just going to go out and, and not worry about the opposition, just do what you do well. Yeah, look, we prefer. You know, it's, we we go about our business the same every week. I'm not going to tell you how that is. But no. last week's done, it's the same, same thing. Three points are up for grabs. Yeah. We need to we need to be professional. We need to prepare, and we need to be up for it. Like I say, every team's capable. Uh, you've got different different ranges now. You've got teams that are pushing for promotion. Mm-hmm. You've got teams that are trying to stay up. So there is not one easy game, and, and we don't expect one easy game between now and the end of the season. And like I say, we've just got to make sure that we're prepared and. You know, we, we try and win as many games as we can between now and the end of the season. Yeah, now we we mentioned earlier on the the show that you can't blame uh, referees or, or results for the last game of the season. Every game's a cup final, you know, from the first game to the to the to the last game. But this one is a cup, so can you tell us a little bit of the, the history about that, please? Well, obviously Frank Longstaff uh, was a member of Gosnell City, and uh, he coached at, at Cannon and. I think obviously when he passed, the clubs decided to you know hold a inaugural trophy each mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So they've been playing it since I've since I've been at Gosnells, which I think is my fourth year now. Uh, you play when, when you play there, they add up all the goals type thing, and then whoever wins over the course of the, the two games in the season wins the trophy. So oh, that's a, an interesting uh, concept. That it, uh, oh yeah, to put a, a bit more of a. a an emphasis on the consistency of of the season because you know you might play them in the first round and and yeah. everyone's sort of still working their way in. You might have some injuries, you might have, but then you play them later in the season and you get a spanking. You, you've, exactly. you've won the cup. That's brilliant. Yeah, and also it's not just first team. You yeah. know, it's done through the eight teams in reserves. Wow, so it's extremely important that the eight teams in reserves perform as well, which is the way we want to be. So yeah, yeah but, but very much. Very much a reflection of Frank Longstaff as well, who didn't just worry about the first team. He worried about oh, yeah. everyone from the youngest kid to your oldest player. So uh, yeah. I think it's a great tribute to him. And a great concept, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, yeah, look, we'll look forward to it. And, and, yeah, hopefully we can come out victorious. All right, Mark, thank you very much for your time. Um, best of luck this afternoon yep. and best of luck for the rest of the season. And, and hopefully at the, the end of the year, you're planning for a Divi 1 uh, campaign. Yeah, here's hoping, guys. Thank you. Thanks no for worries. Me. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, Mark. Yeah.
And just before we hand over to, to Len, I'll just go through that ladder. Camera, Caramar yeah. Shamrock Rovers are top of the table on 33 points with 14 games played. And Mark Anthony's Gosnell's uh, second, 13 games, but only a point behind. And as he said, with the best uh, defensive record uh, in the league. Down the other end, Canning. Um, so this has got all the, the hallmarks of a, of a cup uh, upset on it. Canning a uh, second bottom, uh, 11 games played, 10 points. And Southwest Phoenix, unfortunately, finding the return back to uh, Saturday football a little bit more difficult than they expected. Yeah. Uh, currently at the bottom of the table, 14, point, uh, 14 games played, but only five points at the moment with one win and two draws. And a minus 31 goal difference, unfortunately. Yeah, look, and, and unfortunately for them, uh, Nick Carter, their coach, they've... Um let go. Let let him go. Mm. But um, and, and, look, and he's, yeah. a, he's a he's a top guy. He's a good yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. He's a nice coach. But I I, yep. I get where they're coming from. Yeah, I understand that. Traditionally, that, that Southwest have, have had that, um, that inconsistency of, of playing staff, and and to to blame a coach is oh, well, I will, you, oh, you know look, my thoughts. A, on that. a well, lot of the coaches never unless it's Tony Pulis. Unless it's Tony Pulis, then you can blame <laughs> the coach. But um, yeah, it, it's a change at this it's stage. It's one of, of those season. things about mm. the tyranny of distance with being in Bunbury. And I think, look, to to be honest, and this is why I'm saying about the um, about automatic entry to yep. Divi One shouldn't be there. There should be a range of other things that are involved yep. in that. And, well, at the moment, Jaguars are top of the the amateur yeah. division one, and, and at the moment, their ground wouldn't uh, wouldn't tick the boxes to to be automatically. But their promoted. ground, their governance, there's a whole range of things that yeah, we yeah. just wouldn't. And East Perth, and look, yeah, I know second. the guys well at East Perth, but they're sharing a ground. Yep. Um, and whilst the football might be good enough, um, yeah. you know, we we've had teams come through and, and look, June Lump United are, are a good side in Divi yeah. One now. Yep. Yep. But when they came up. Um, the, they, the grounds yeah, left yeah. a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah, they had so, a rope around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will look at it, and I would question the length of the pitch and all yeah. those other things. <laughs> I know. The change rooms weren't what they yeah, needed the to be. There's, yep. there's a whole range of things, and look, yep. can't blame the clubs, but no. let's not. Let's have a range of things that, yeah. that tells you you're ready to come up. And, right. and a team like Southwest need time to develop. Yep. There's a in the in the regions. We need the regions involved oh, in these games. And I think you know, I would love to be in a state league that included a team from Kalgoorlie, a team yep. from Albany, a team from Bunbury, team and a from team Gerard. from Geraldton. Yep. You know, it'd be fantastic. It will. Yep. All righty. So that's us for another week, Hugh. Yes, uh, it is. Thank you very much for being on. You're My on. pleasure. You're on next week. <laughs> so the quality will go downhill. <laughs> no, no one. The quality just continues, mate. It's we, we talked about the clubs. It's the same with the radio yeah. station. It's all about the depth. That's and, right. Yeah. And uh, no one's deeper than you. <laughs> oh, cute on you. <laughs> All right. So for those out out there, there's look three really good memorial games that, yep. that um, will will be for the memory well. of three of three great men: Rod mm. Banjack, Ray Illett, and Frank Lang- Longstaff. Yep. Um, do yourself a favour. Go out and support these clubs that are supporting the history of our game exactly. and the, the memory of those people. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.